episode 262, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Welcome to Level 7. A podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello and welcome to another episode of Welcome to Level 7. My name is Ben. Ben Avery. And I am a person who's been podcasting about the Marvel Cinematic Universe for a very long time. So long that we have now gone through two Ant-Man movies. Yeah. And I am here with... Agent Stu. I have been listening as long as you've been covering the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And now covering for a long time, too. Yeah, yeah, quite a long time, actually, now. Yeah. But, yeah, this is Ant-Man and the Wasp. We are in the sequel to a... B-list character. Uh, I who would who would have thunk it, man? Who would have thunk know. it? I don't know. I do know that this was um, my wife's. This is my wife's favorite uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe hero. Well, so my kids love love this movie. They yes. they love this movie, and um, but I, I don't think you would ever say they're a fan of the character. Well. To be fair, I think she's more a fan of Paul Rudd, but let's put that aside. Well, and maybe a, a fan of more fan of the tone of the movies too, because mm-hmm. this there's definitely a different tone here. So yeah, we are not covering Cloak and Dagger in this episode. If you are following along with us over uh, Cloak and Dagger on Freeform, this is a little break in the Cloak and Dagger coverage because hey, it's Ant Man and the Wasp. Movie episode. Yeah, yeah. Movie episode. So spoiler policy here. Um, we only will talk about things that we have covered. Uh, so that means that we will be talking about things possibly on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, that that may affect things. And we are definitely, definitely going to be talking about Infinity War and spoiling Infinity War and talking about implications of Infinity War. So be aware of that. If you've not seen Infinity War, but you have seen Ant-Man and the Wasp, and you want to listen to this episode, just be aware that um, we're not going to play a spoiler organ or anything like that. We're, we're just going to be talking about the that, that stuff. Uh, and it may come out sooner, it may come out later, I don't know, but um, we will be. We definitely will be. If you have seen Ant-Man and the Wasp and have not seen infinity war i want to talk to you i want to ask you questions well those people sat in front of me in the theater really yes they did now if you've listened to the strangers and aliens episode you've listened to the road trip that i went on with evan co-host over there and my my kids uh we talked about this a little bit over there you also heard me uh make my children cry um which in in a in a good and and funny uh, appropriate way not not you know, in a, in a mean way. Um, but I, I did, if, if I want to upset my children, uh, all I have to do is make jokes about Spider-Man dying in infinity war. <laughs> and that will uh, see, like I said, we're just jumping right into the, uh, into the spoilers here. We have held ourselves back for so much. Very, very much so. And yeah. so for us to be, you know, there's a little freeing here. I'm actually a little trepidatious. <laughs> yeah, no, like, I'm still, I'm still feeling like I should be holding you, back. Like, you do not really have to hold just... back. You do not have to, Stuart. Let yourself go. Uh, okay, okay. So, we'll try. 
Yeah. So anyway, while I was uh, driving after the movie, driving home, we were recording the episode and I, I just said to my my co-host, you know, if you want to see my kids get upset, watch this. And I just said, Mr. Stark, <laughs> Mr. Stark, I'm not feeling too good. And my daughters are just like, no, dad, stop it. Just dad, stop. But yeah, that's the way I agree with your daughters in this situation, <laughs> your daughter in this situation, because I almost just yelled at you for doing that. You that's know what? not nice. That's yeah. not nice. Uh, you know, it's it's all in, it's all in good torturous fun, but you know it's it's <laughs> I'm I'm good with children, you know. So <laughs> I've heard that. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, I don't even remember where we were with that, but uh, yeah. So oh, the people in front of us in the theater. Yes. Um, there yes. were points in the movie where there was one lady who was seemingly the host of a, a group, and it was an entire row. Of, of the theater. They asked me to, um, at the, during the end credits, uh, gave me their phone and asked me to take their picture. So I got down on the row in front of them and, and took their picture. And, um, and there's this lady in the middle who had seen it all. And she's like, Oh, I'll explain it to you on the way home. You know, she's telling them when they got to the end credits, the post credit scenes, like, this is, this is what happened. This is, this is the deal. Um, she's also the lady who, uh, gave me flashbacks back to when Sam Jackson came in Iron Man and says, I want to tell you about the Avengers initiative. And the guy in front of me raises his fist in the air and yells Yahtzee. Well, <laughs> this lady, she gave me flashbacks to that because it, it was post credit scene and she yells out, oh, my Lanta. And it was just very, very loud. And it's like, like, you didn't think something like that was happening here. Like it, I come on. We all knew, except for the people that she was with, because she had to explain to them what was going on. She had to explain to them about Infinity War, and it was very interesting. Uh, but this is a different kind of movie than Infinity War. A very different kind of movie. There is a crowd of people that this movie could attract that would not come to Infinity War, and those would be people I think maybe who are more, uh, you know, leaning like your wife as far as you know. It's, it's Paul Rudd. And it's Paul comedy. Rudd. Yeah. I, I'm not saying Paul Rudd is, is a huge draw because I, I just don't know. But um, I would say that Paul Rudd is a formidable draw to a certain group of people. He, Yeah. Yeah. He's definitely a draw. And the tone of this movie, it's a different movie. It's a, well, it's a, it's a comedy. Totally. It's and a, the first one was a comedy. Yeah. Which the first one kind of didn't No, it's been it's been a while since i watched it but i don't remember it meaning a whole lot to the greater cinematic universe now his character when he showed up in civil war meant a lot and did a big you know he got really big so to speak um but the 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 movie itself ant-man the movie wasn't necessarily like you had to see other things to watch that one. Right. Where I think this one, you kind of have to know about civil war. You kind of have to know about infinity war. And if you didn't know about those two things, well, if you didn't know about infinity war, uh, it's the post credits that would throw you. And, yeah. and that's in some ways, I think that's okay. Like in some ways to me, that's what the post credit is for. Like the post credit right. is just, we're going to push forward the the greater narrative and just give you little teases and give you little ideas of where things are going with the greater narrative of all the movies. Um, but you are definitely right about Civil War. 
uh, I was confused almost a little bit myself when they start this movie and Hank and Hope don't like him. Like they're mad at him. Right. And I'm like, wait, what, what happened? What did I miss? What? And I'm trying to think of what happened in the original movie that they were mad at him about not even thinking about civil war. You can't see this, but I'm nodding my head because I'm agreeing with you because I had the same problems uh, or not problem. Same sort of issues where I was going, what happened? You know what? I was racking my brain to think about it. And then they finally got to the point where they dropped the first little, you know, civil war bite of it, which is not bad storytelling. I, I have to say it, it, a little confusion at the beginning of the story is not a bad thing. As you unfold the story, as long as the uh, confusion gets cleared up as the story unfolds, which which it did. And relatively quickly, right? You didn't want to go into the third act going, why are they still mad at him? But it wasn't like uh, Homecoming, where they give you the the recap of, of Civil War, which, but, by the way, do you have the Homecoming Blu-ray? No, I don't okay. have a Blu-ray, period. I, I don't even know. Okay, I don't know if it's on the DVD then. Or not, but on the Blu-ray they have a—it's uh, not a deleted scene; it's an expanded scene of his home movie that he made. Oh, that's cool! And there's a lot more going on that um, that was cut out, and it's it's fun stuff that was not needed necessarily. But um, like he continues um, after the battle, uh, he goes out in costume at night. And, <laughs> and goes to a, a party and rescues someone. And it's, there, there's some fun stuff. Anyway, yeah. So this show is a comedy. This movie, rather, is a comedy, mm-hmm. and it's an action comedy. You know, it's it's rush hour kind of thing. Um, you know, <laughs> where where it's it's meant for laughs. It's meant to have exciting adventure stuff happening, but not meant to get you really super tense. I mean, there's going to be a laugh lying around the corner, and unlike. Avengers, uh, you know, Age of Ultron and the first Avengers. And unlike in, in some ways, even Guardians of the Galaxy, it feels more appropriate here because it's just all out. We're a comedy, you know, mm-hmm. we're not dirty Star Wars. You know, this is just <laughs> just plain. It's a comedy. You're here for the laughs. D- dirty Star Wars. Yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy. Star Wars with dirty jokes. Oh, I get it. Ha ha. I get it. With that said, this is the cleanest Marvel movie ever. Uh, or cleanest MCU movie ever, I think. This was like super family friendly. I guess. I mean, I don't remember anything necessarily bad in it, but it still came in at a PG thirteen. Yeah, I, I'm surprised that it came in at PG thirteen. I mean, there, uh, there's action and there's you know violence and that sort of thing. Um, lots and lots of it, jokes. It uh, must be the violence. Uh, violence. There's also the. Not I wouldn't call it drug use, but the uh, the truth serum, which <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I had to go back. It's not a truth serum. <laughs> yeah. I had to go, and <laughs> I I don't know if you know that uh, Evan and I are creating a uh, superhero audio drama series. I've that, heard about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, there's a scene very much like what happens with the truth serum, and I had to decide: do I keep this or not? Because people know. I like the MCU. People know I've seen this movie and will have seen it probably a couple more times uh, by the time the, the audio drama comes out. And it, do I keep it or, and let people think I copied it? Or mm-hmm. do I, you know, get rid of it and preemptively 
So we'll see. I, it's going through rewrites right now uh, with, with the other guys on the team. So we'll see if that scene even makes it through um, the end to the, to the final script. But well, <sighs> nothing new under the sun, my friend. Nothing new There's under nothing the sun. Nothing new under the sun. That is the writer's lament in me. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yeah, okay. So, so how do you want to do this? Well, I think maybe we just go through character by character. And that will lead us into some of the other conversations we want to have, because there's conversations, you know, very much tied into, say, Ghost, the the villain, mm-hmm. that kind of, for me, would say, you know, this is a good place for us to talk about, you know, how does this fit into the MCU in general? Uh, there's definitely some stuff I want to talk about with uh, Janet Van Dyne. Uh, that's mm-hmm. Michelle Pfeiffer's Wasp, um, especially with with the things that were going on with the quantum realm for her. And yeah, and then of course there's Luis and there's uh, Scott's family and his daughter. Maybe we should start there with just Scott, Scott yeah. and his family and his daughter and, and just what's going on with him. Um, <laughs> so this is probably the first superhero movie that starts out with a guy on house arrest and <laughs> being able yeah. to literally do nothing. Uh, this is this is like the comedy version of Dark Knight rises you know he's just he's just been out of the game for for how long you know and and he's doing stuff in his house uh the difference is you know he actually has family coming in and visiting him and he's not just you know pouting in his mansion but well he's also not batman it's it's true i i will say that that beginning to batman rises or to dark knight rises just really bummed me out like what would what about all the adventures that Batman is supposed to go on? You know, <laughs> well, the, let's let's just be honest. Uh, Dark Knight Rises really just bummed me out. Like the whole movie, like it was good. Don't get me wrong, but it's it's great Batman. But Batman himself bums me out. Yeah, yeah, and that version of Batman is yeah. Uh, it, it's a it's a bummer of a Batman. Let's put it that way. Right. Uh, not that. <laughs> looking at background and, and, you know, backstory and origins and that kind of thing. I mean, yeah, it's definitely a bummer of a reason why he's yeah. Batman, but yeah. Um, but that's not, that's not the MCU at all. So no, it's not, it's not, it's very interesting though, because it's the DC uh, universe there with those movies and, and the MCU and how they just kind of the parallel development that came out of, you know, Batman and Iron Man both around the same time. And, Iron Man led us to this point yeah. and, and Batman led the DC universe to just implode kind of, well, and I, I don't know. I mean, that's a whole nother topic, a whole nother topic. So anyway, okay. So we got Scott Lang and his relationships with everybody. And so he's on house arrest. He's not allowed to talk to Hank or hope. Uh, and that's okay. They don't want to talk to him. He does get visits from his daughter, though, and he spends all his time creating elaborate uh, fantasy playlands for her in his house. <laughs> well, and 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 it's stuff like, uh, uh, you know, crack the safe. I mean, he's literally teaching her how to break into things. It's Ant Man Adventures, though. I mean, the stuff that they're doing there, yeah. you know, they they're supposed to they're breaking into the safe, and so they get this, uh, you know, here's a contact lens that we're going to use in the uh what do you call it? the the optical sensor or whatever and 
you know, it's they're on an ant adventure, an ant-sized uh, Ant-Man adventure, and it's it's so much fun. The whole movie, his relationship with his daughter, is so much fun. Yes, I love his relationship with his daughter. I think that that's a really positive. I mean. Yeah, he's teaching her how to break into things or whatever, but it's a positive relationship. We haven't had very many positive father relationships in the MCU. Let's be honest. That's true. Now that you point that out, I mean, uh, what's very the, true? <laughs> we, we've had we've had you know gods or planets or whatever you know eating things. Yeah, let's just that say wasn't good. yeah. Uh, okay, between ego and Thanos. And Odin, not not great father relationships uh, all around there. Odin tried, you know, but wasn't very yeah. good, you know, for a few thousand years. And then he finally decided to, to try harder and and did, <laughs> and did better. But um, I mean, and, and Howard wasn't a great father. No, he no. was not. He was and not. Hank, Hank Pym is kind of an OK father. He's cranky, though. Yeah, yeah. Well, but you're hitting the nail on the head here in that this is a, you know, I said it's family friendly, but one of the things that makes this a family friendly movie is that it's about family. Mm-hmm. And in the last one kind of was too, uh, but this one even more so is about family and it's about, um, you know, the families we are born into, the families we create through, um, you know, marriage and, and relationships like that. And then the families we create through, through friendships. And, you know, so that's, that's the family that, that Scott has with Luis and uh, the other guys. Um, and that's the family that Scott has with his ex-wife. And, um, and by the way, the, uh, the new husband, uh, f- not doing very much in this. <laughs> like I, no, I kept waiting no. for him to get a chance to do something more than just no. say, yeah, this is what they're supposed to do. It's good. <laughs> yeah, he was he the window dressing, I think is a really good term yeah. for him. Yeah. Oh, you remember that he was in the first one, right? Okay. Yeah. He's still here. He hasn't left yet. They're still married. But that's it. <laughs> and and fortunately he he agreed to, you know, come on for another movie cuz he maybe isn't doing anything else. Um <laughs> but I felt bad for him. I felt really bad for the, the actor anyway. Like, come on. All I have to do is just show up and be the other guy. And that's, that's it. But it showed that he has, you know, that, that relationship with him. And so the, you know, she's building her new, new family. Uh, but Scott is still a part of, of the family because of the, the relationship he has with, with his daughter. And, and then it's all about reuniting family as well. Going after um, Michelle Pfeiffer, going after Janet Van Dyne. Mm Mm-hmm. So I, I, I appreciate what they say about family here, um, just which is basically family's good. So yeah, <laughs> that's the message. You know, if you thought family. Thanos, you know, Thanos kind of put a bad taste in your mouth, maybe because of how he was kind of a bad dad uh, <laughs> here. Here's here's the MCU saying, don't don't worry. We still think family's good. It's still still good. <laughs> We have one shining example amongst many not so shining <laughs> examples. And and when we first meet this guy in this movie, he's on house arrest. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. But he's on house arrest for doing something really good. Yes. 
you know, well, I should say really good, but it was, he, he thought he was, he thought he was doing a good thing by going out and, and fighting, uh, in the civil war. Well, when cap calls you, what do you say? You say, yes, right. Let's just be honest. Right. Um, and, and I do appreciate that in infinity war, they did call that out. They said, um, you know, Ant-Man or Scott Lang and, and Hawkeye are in, are on house arrest because of civil war. So, you know, that all tracks and that's really good. I was really hoping to see Hawkeye in this movie though. I was too. That's... I was too. And spoiler, we don't actually see him in this movie. You don't have to call it spoiler. <laughs> we already did. Like, we already it's, did. It's all okay. good. It's okay. all good. Stuart, get off high alert, I'm, man. I'm get off trying. high alert. The only I'm thing trying. you can't do is you can't spoil uh, Jessica Jones season two. Okay. Or, okay. or, or Punisher. All right. Or Punisher. All right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> or, well, Luke Cage season two now. But um, I'm not, I haven't watched Luke, all of Luke Cage's or, or, yet, so. or defenders. Those are the, those are the, <laughs> if there's, if there's one thing you can't spoil, it's, it's, it's these Netflix. four things. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, okay. So, or cloak yeah. and dagger, which spoiler in the next cloak and dagger, uh, coverage episode that we do, I'm going to reveal what caused me to get emotional to the point where I have never been watching TV, uh, on the verge of tears. Really? Not lying. You you don't want to miss on a very special episode of Welcome to Level Seven. Well, but ben this is, gets emotional. This is kind of a special episode too. I did get emotional and and uh, get a lump in my throat at two points in this movie. Um, and yeah, I I don't. I mean, I watch Gamora get thrown off a cliff by her pop, <laughs> but uh, I you know, watched this movie and there were two points where I I did get get choked up. Well, I, I had, I felt all the feels all over again, um, in this movie, but you know, you're supposed to right at the very end. So. Yeah, you are. You definitely are. So, um, so what do you think about Scott Lang as a character right now? Then, I mean, this guy, I, when it starts out and he's on house arrest, I'm just feeling bad for him. I do feel bad for him, but you know what I like about him is that he is trying very hard to do the right thing. He realized he made him, you know, he realized he did something bad. He's taken his lumps for it and he is almost done. And he has done everything that they've asked. He's always been on time. He's never left the house. And so when he slides down the, you know, the getaway ramp or whatever, and his foot pops through, Oh man. Okay. Hi guys. You know, (laughs) very disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. And so he has been a model, you know, not a model citizen because he did commit some crimes, but he is taking care of business. He's doing what he needs to do. And he's got a mean drum solo. <laughs> OK, sure. Yeah. But he's had time to practice, you know. Yeah. And here, Here's the thing, though. I mean, he he wants to do right by this, uh, not even because he agrees with it, but he just knows if he gets through it. He will be able to spend time outside with his daughter, not just outside, Mm -hmm. but like going places with his daughter. Like this Mm -hmm. is all about her. Everything Mm -hmm. he's doing right now, he's doing it for her. And so when uh, when hope comes and she she breaks up that that, uh, you know, him doing the right thing for for the law, um, I'm mad at her. 
I, I, I'm like, you know, I'm with him. I'm like, he, he's, 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 he's two days away or one day away from, from getting off of this, this house arrest. And she takes him out of the house that you can't do that. He's not even supposed to talk to her. Um, now he did make the call. He, he called her, I guess. So I guess he is partially well, to blame there, but yeah, but uh, so okay, so the, the, the he called her because he had the vision in his head, right? Right, and and that's when, and, and it gets revealed later on that the re, you know the timing was very significant. But in order for him to call her, he had to dig the phone out of the wall, right? So this is not like he's texting her all the time, you know, late no. at night. Hey, you know what's going on? It's like he he's making a very conscious choice to call her in a very specific moment. And I think that's commendable. That's just it. I mean, he, he is a guy who has made wrong choices, made poor choices, but he is trying now to make good choices mm-hmm. and, and do right by, by his daughter. And yeah. And so then hope comes and breaks it up. But I, so it, yeah, it is commendable. And He's still making poor choices throughout this movie, <laughs> but well, but that's just he, him. He makes, <laughs> he makes lots of poor choices <laughs> and adds to the comedy, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, he lies. He, he, uh, he kept the, uh, ant man suit that he stole. That was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> you, you threw away my suit. Yeah. And then you yeah. kept my suit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how, it was your life work, you know, but, um, and, and what I like about this is that, yeah, a lot of these are laugh lines, but they aren't written to just get to the laugh line. The laugh line is written around, you know, we got to get where we're going to go. And well, yeah, it's 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 definitely a comedy that moves. It's not just funny for stupid sake. It's funny because it's got a story to tell and they're telling it in a funny way. Yeah. And so in that way, I think it's a better comedy than Thor Ragnarok. I'm just I'm just going to throw that out there. Um, I felt like this more natural as a comedy because it just embraced being a comedy movie. Thor Ragnarok, good movie, great movie. Uh, but you know, the, the, the humor just didn't feel as, as natural. Um, even if the humor was better, maybe. <laughs> than this. Well, I think, I think Thor Ragnarok, if you're going to compare it to this is more of an action movie and this is more of a comedy movie. They're both action comedies, but this is more comedy and that is more action. So let's talk about hope. Okay. Hope the wasp. Do you, do you, what do you, do you like what's going on here? Um, I, I'm a little intrigued with her in the in the beginning to figure out why she's mad, you know, because yeah. Evangeline Lilly really does have that uh, resting basic face very well. Um, <laughs> OK, <laughs> she does that very well. Um, but at the same time, it was interesting to see her dynamic with Hank Pym, you know, what going back and forth. I liked the the movie actually starts with with Hank telling her that she's going to you know having to break that news that that um, Michelle Pfeiffer never came back Janet Van Dyne never came back mm-hmm. and I like that she grows through the movie and so towards the end of the movie she actually comes around to Scott and I think that they have a they're in a better place at the end of the movie I mean basically her character arc is just just give the guy a break you know. Give the guy a break. He, he's trying. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, and but here's the thing that intrigues me. I mean, she is she's a superhero. Right. I mean, far more than he is. She is a superhero. I mean, she is competent and confident and has the suit, uses the suit, knows how to use it, knows how to use it well, even though she's she's had it uh, just for a short amount of time, comparatively speaking. Uh, but she she knows what she's doing. And I'm, I'm enjoying watching her, you know, do the do the whole shrinking, growing uh, using shrinking and growing as uh, as a weapon, and you know, so using the environment as a weapon as you're doing that, and there's some. I, I think that the action sequences are are fantastic in the way that they use the powers so well mm-hmm. with the the growing and the shrinking and all that. Well, it's like she's a superhero that knows she's in a superhero movie, whereas like you know Ray from Force Awakens didn't really was in a Star Wars movie. Um, Hope Bandai knows that she's in a superhero movie and knows how she should act. Yeah. And yeah, so I, I'm liking her. And then with Hank, I mean, that's the other thing is this whole movie is just all about uh, Hank thinks he found a way to go to the quantum realm mm-hmm. now. Okay. So my, they were, they finally, they did ask the question that I was asking, which is um, as you shrink down, I mean, if you're just taking it from your perspective, as you shrink down, the universe is getting bigger around you. And so let's just take the Earth, right? And so Janet shrank down to the quantum realm somewhere, you know, over an ocean or whatever. And so now we have this quantum realm that's so, so tiny, and it, which means it's just enormous because – you know, we're, we're down to this super, super subatomic level. How are they going to find her? You know, that mm. it's just so the, the area that they're looking for her in is just so big because she's so tiny. I mean, this is the needle in the haystack kind of thing. Um, which by the way, I heard a really funny, uh, audio bit once <laughs> it was on the radio and it was, uh, the needle in the hair in the haystack Olympics, and it was it was just a bunch of haystacks and people come from all around and they would uh, and it like took three months for them to find the needle. <laughs> so they start coverage and they come back to it every month. And yeah. anyway, um, so I'm glad that they had the uh, the techno uh, jargon or the trekno gar 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 uh, trekno babble trekno babble where they say, you know, follow her voice, you know, and, and she's made the connection with uh, Scott from the last movie like he saw her. And, mm-hmm. and so I'm, I'm, I mean, in this movie, all this quantum, quantum, this quantum, that quantum, this quantum, that, which they, they call out, <laughs> they say, you know, don't you, do you just add quantum to everything you say? Uh, which it's funny. It's, it's, I like it. Um, but it's magic. You know, this is the, this mm-hmm. is the magic power. This is the force. This is, you know, whatever you want to say, but it's the magic power that gives you the key to go to this magic realm where she's lost and it gives you the, the magic powers to, um, to ghost who's going to do what she's going to do. And it's, it's not science. It's we're, we're watching a, a sci a, a science fantasy uh, rather than a, a sci-fi, you know, this is, yeah, just, and you got to roll with it or you're, if you can't roll with it in this movie, you're you're not gonna enjoy yourself. Yeah, no, you gotta you gotta take that and just take it. Yeah, yeah. 
Definitely. Okay, so that's that's kind of our main main cast there. We also get uh, Jimmy Woo, an MCUing of Jimmy Woo, who is a super awesome super spy in the Marvel Comics universe. And here, he's, he he's not not those things. <laughs> he's not uh, my the exact words from Daniel Butcher. Uh, when he contacted me uh, and we were talking about some stuff and he, he just said, Jimmy Woo is worst MCUing uh, ever. <laughs> they, they took the character, brought him over to film and lost everything that made him so, so cool. Now he's cool in a different way. I like him. Okay. So I've never heard of Jimmy Woo in the, in the comics. I did like him in the, in this movie though. I liked the way he was portrayed. I liked that he was kind of this, I don't want to say buffoon, but, that certainly would fit where he's kind of trying to just figure things out and trying to be a good guy again and learn sleight of hand magic. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's goofy and he is there for the laugh lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's there to be laughed at and not with, mm-hmm. um, although a lot of the characters are here I mean, to be laughed at. Uh, I mean, I, Scott himself is there in some ways to be laughed at. Uh, I would say that most, I would say that like everybody in the movies to be laughed at. Uh, not Maybe everybody. not Cassie. Maybe not Cassie. Not but. Cassie. I don't think hope is meant to be laughed at. Um, not, not as she's presented anyway. And, and, and Maggie, the ex-wife, I don't think she's meant to be laughed at. Yeah. Uh, well, and okay. So our, our villains also, uh, well, one set of villains are not meant to be laughed at the, uh, the arms dealer guy, and his crew laugh at totally laughable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, Dr. Foster and ghost are not don't, they are not meant to be laughed at. Um, they got some pretty serious uh, things going on that they're dealing with. And boy, uh, talk about a big twist in the middle. Um, the, the 30 minute twist, if you would uh, <laughs> with, with uh, Lawrence Fishburne's character, um, I was not, I did not see that coming. Oh, with him being, you want to just talk about, uh, Bill Foster right now? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. I mean, I, okay. I did not see that coming at all with him being, with him, uh, being connected to ghost, him being connected to ghost and, and actually kind of betraying them and, you know, holding them prisoner and doing bad guys stuff for good guy reasons. Uh, I, I just didn't see it coming. And a big part of it was because in the comics, this guy's a good guy. Mm-hmm. And, and what's very interesting about that is they, is they, he really touches that line of being a bad guy, but then comes back from it. It's not like he walked up to be the bad guy. He twirled his mustache and said, Oh, I'm the bad guy. You know, he's not a nobody. stain. He's not a, uh, uh, the opposite of the bad guy you know, the opposite of the good guy that we've gotten in a lot of Marvel movies. Um, he's not a bad guy. I mean, he walks up to it. He, he sort of flirts with it, but he did, then he comes back from it. He's not a bad guy. Yeah. It's, it's the actions of a bad guy holding people prisoner, threatening them, that sort of thing. Uh, he draws a line at threatening family, uh, right. especially the child, uh, which is when you stand it, I think kind of start seeing, okay, maybe not the worst guy in the world. Um, Still not the best guy, you know, but he's he's doing this then to help uh, Ghost and and she has a legit grievance against what's happened to her. Uh, he thinks he has a little bit more of a grievance against Hank than he actually probably does. 
but she definitely does. And this is where I'm wondering, like, what's going on? You know, in the timeline, we know Shield fell. Shield fell because Hydra mm-hmm. had infiltrated Shield. Uh, Ghost herself got these powers through an accident that happened, but then Shield took her, and they used uh, they used Bill Foster's uh, research and 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 his know how to make her solid again, so she could interact with the world somewhat, and then they turn her into an assassin, and. Is this S.H.I.E.L.D. who's turning her into an assassin or is this uh, Hydra who's turning her into an assassin? And this is some very interesting stuff that comes out of this is basically anything that happens uh, with S.H.I.E.L.D. at all has you questioning, okay, who from S.H.I.E.L.D. is is pushing this agenda? Mm -hmm. And, you know, but. Shield is not against having assassins. I mean, they they do things that they have to do and they. um you know, as we as we've seen, that's part of why uh, it was, I think, easier for Hydra to to infiltrate them is because of some of the things, some of the bad guy stuff that Hydra might do. Shield would also do just for, like I said, the the good guy reasons. And so I'm curious, you know, does is it Hydra who was pulling the strings with her, or was it Shield? Uh, now they set it up so that if you watch just the Ant Man trilogy which is Ant-Man, Civil War, and this, uh, you only need those three movies. You don't need to see that S.H.I.E.L.D. fell. You don't need to know right. why S.H.I.E.L.D. fell. You don't need to be asking these questions. We ask these questions because we're invested, you know, and... and uh, <laughs> pretty pretty heavily. Yeah, we, we've watched it all, and we're very, you know, we're very into it, and we've enjoyed, you know, that that whole Hydra sequence and, you know, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But um, But you don't need to be... You know, doing the deep dives. You know, you can just dip your feet into the Ant Man side of the pool, and you're 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 good to go. Um, but you do have to watch those other two movies, I think, to really appreciate this one. I, I agree. I think you have to, especially the um, the dynamic between Hope and uh, Hank and Scott in the first act. You have to know what he did in a Civil War and why it was a big deal. Yeah. Now, uh, I, the way that they present it, I think that you can figure it out, but you definitely would get more out of it in this, mm-hmm. in the context there. So, uh, let's see. I mean, we've got, yeah, the other set of bad guys who they, they give some good jokes and they, they bring menace for sure. And they're a big reason for, you know, some of the great setups we get for the, uh, the action sequences as they're driving around and stuff like that. Um, they they push the I don't want to say they push the story forward, but they're definitely like a driving force. They're kind of like that ticking clock, right? You uh-huh. know that they're coming for whatever they're coming for is the the laboratory or whatever it was, yeah, right? Yeah, the MacGuffin to is se- is the whole the, Mac- the whole building. Yeah, yeah, right. That was kind of that was interesting. Um, I I liked all that, but at the end of the day, they also weren't an Obadiah stain. Um, so that's a, another breath of fresh air, right? It was a, a different way to tell those two, uh, have a bad guy. But, and you know, you say that they weren't the opposite. Um, and, and these guys weren't, but you know, Bill Foster, he kind of was, uh, he was kind of the opposite of Scott. And that is that they're opposite in that. I mean, first of all, they both did have growing powers at one point. I mean, th- 
he <laughs> was a growing, you know, guy. He could he he was Goliath. And so tell me about Project Goliath. Well, in, in the comics, Goliath is is a superhero. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's he grows and so he becomes a giant. And um I it, it has to do with the growth particles or the PIM particles uh that that they use. Um I I don't know much more about him other than um some of the stuff I saw in or read rather in uh Civil War. Right, because in Civil War didn't he die yeah. at some point? Yeah. And there was a big funeral and people were sad. Literally big funeral, because he died when he was a giant. Right. And so they had to like dig a giant, huge, huge grave for him. Right. I just remember one panel of him being in like the Grand Canyon or something like that. A big, this big hole. Yeah. Um, So do you think we are going to see more of project or more of this Goliath sort of terminology? If we get a third Ant-Man movie, I believe we're going to see. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne growing and and actually using his powers or, or getting an opportunity to use use powers, um, but that's a big if right now. Uh, I mean, I I love that we get a sequel to Ant Man. I love that we get that because there's room for it right now. But mm-hmm. this is the Eeyore in me saying, you know, we've got. Do you want me to just the, take my headphones off and let you go? No, I'm not going to go for very long on this, but we've got Disney uh, okay. buying out Fox, you know. And so um, how is how is that going to affect the, the schedule once we get past, you know, 2021 or 2022 or whatever it is? And so I, I hope we get a third Ant-Man movie, but we'll just have to wait and see. Um, I'm, did you see the article that uh, I think Samantha posted about um, – Kevin Feige talking about how they, the reason they're doing three Marvel movies every year is simply so they can do things like Ant-Man and have sequels mm-hmm. to those movies. And yeah, so I, I do hope well, they get a third Ant-Man movie. It would be interesting to see where a third Ant-Man movie goes. Um, I'd be also interested to see how he, and might be jumping a little bit, how he interacts with Avengers four. Yeah, I think that yeah. would have a lot to do with – I mean it's possible that Avengers 4 could be that Ant-Man 3 that you're looking for. Very similar to how like the Avengers, the first one, is kind of like a Captain America sequel. Yeah, well, and what I really want is I want a Wasp movie now. I want the Michelle Pfeiffer Wasp movie, and I I would settle for a comic book uh, honestly. And so you know, for all of our – listeners who are, are listening from the Marvel offices, uh, which I know there's so many of you, um, even though you have your own podcasts and, and, and video things and everything like that, you've got all that stuff. You probably don't need to listen to fan podcasts, but I know you do probably not. But if you wanted to have someone write the adventures of Janet Van Dyne in the quantum realm, as she's surviving for those years and years and years and years and becoming what we see in this movie, which is awesome where she just looks so cool. And I, I want, I want to see that movie and I'd be more than willing to write that comic book. Uh, That's all I'm saying is I I would love to do that for you. So yeah, give me a call. Call me. You can't see me holding up my fingers 
with thumb by my ear, my pinky by my mouth, and my other fingers curled in, and I'm shaking it a little bit, but it's close to my face, so it's not like a Hawaiian surfer thing. It's <laughs> it's a phone. Um, I, I hope they do call you Ben. Yeah, I really do. Yeah. So a- anyway, that that story just would, uh, there's so much fantasticness to it and she knows so much about what's bat what's what's in there in the in the quantum realm you know she's there oh there's tardig tardigrades yeah yeah and and they didn't have to to use them to to fly across the mycelium network no no and and it also didn't take them into the mirror universe but, or the mirror universe yeah um yeah, and tardigrades are, I guess, becoming a thing in sci-fi right now. Um, I'm seeing them pop up here and there. And when I saw them in this, I was just like, no way. I can't wait for Stuart to see this. Uh, and then at the end, they actually named them and, and called them up by name. But mm-hmm. tardigrades are real things. They are. Yeah, They're- yeah. And I, I guess there's a video game that used them to be able to like that was their that video game's version of a uh, warp drive and then that video game um apparently they're they're like suing paramount uh about using tardigrades in in star trek discovery which really yeah yeah uh i haven't seen or heard much i haven't heard much about where that's gone but um yeah they're they're suing them for for stealing uh the idea and and using them and i'm just thinking wait a minute this is popping up all over the place this could be just a cultural zeitgeist kind of thing you know it's not just right you know what is it parallel parallel imagination or parallel development or something like that but it's actually called tardigrades (laughs) yeah all right yep cool (laughs) yep and so the the tardigrade uh there's i think it was stuff to blow your mind did an episode about tardigrades and they are fascinating creatures fascinating creatures yes, yes. so I, I recommend searching out you know and uh, whether it's stuff to blow your mind or, or something else that you can find about the real thing so interesting and they're very cute uh, according to uh janet van dyne but they will eat you right well yeah 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 want to look out for them also want to look out for time vortexes always want to look out for time vortexes uh, and, uh, and to my mind, this is this is the big this is one of the big like doop, arrows. There's a bunch of arrows in in, <laughs> you know, pointing at this thing that says time vortexes arrows. Make sure that you understood that there's time vortexes. So that's our post credit. And I like the post credit. Uh, I like what it sets up, but I. Uh, time vortexes. <laughs> I've, time vortexes. I'm not going to say friend. anything that I've heard, but I've heard some things that are kind of spoilery about uh, about Avengers Four and people who mm-hmm. have seen some of the um, some of the places where they're they're shooting the movie, and so I'm not going to say anything specifically about them. Um, but in my mind, I'm wondering. Hmm. Is this a thing that makes you go hmm? It is absolutely a thing that makes you go hmm. Yeah. There you go. Uh the so the other the other thing I thought of when I was leaving this movie was um so he's he's they mentioned the sleight of hand a whole bunch, right? Yes. Just like a <laughs> lot. And you like, think it's just a joke. 
Right. But then you start thinking about it a little bit. Misdirection is what sleight of hand is all about, right? Yes. So I'm wondering if they're wanting you to focus on a thing, i.e. maybe the quantum realm or maybe, um, you know, this, this whole, uh, time vortex thing. But in reality, there's going to be something else over there. And that's, that would be very interesting. If that they, you know, hung this hat on this lampshade of, you know, this misdirection and all that sort of stuff. They're telling us how to think. It'd be interesting. Maybe. Yeah. I, I just like that you have it as a joke a couple times. And then at the end, it's like the, the whole, like, I learned misdirection from my magic training online website things. And they use it to, uh, you know, help, help defeat ghost by yeah. using him as the misdirection while the others get in and, and go and get the building. And, uh, that's where I, I feel like this is, I, I feel like it's a well-written and well-paced script. And, Very much so. you know, it, there's, there's checkoffs, uh, checkoffs, close up magic <laughs> that they hung up on the wall there. And yeah. yeah. And, and they come back to a couple different times and yeah, it's, I it just, this is, it's a good, it's a good movie. It's a fun movie. And if you've, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen it yet, then I, I hope we've convinced you that <laughs> you know, you go, go, go well. see it. A lot of different people, will get you know get a kick out of this movie who like a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. It's not just for I mean, you if, if you like if superhero movies. Right. And if you're an MCU fan and <laughs> yeah, you will you will watch this movie because there's a lot of connective tissue to the MCU. Yeah. yeah. We've talked about a lot of it right now. Yeah. So you want to talk about Ghost? Yeah. Yeah, I mean I I like her powers and again, they use the, 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 I don't want to call it fight choreography because I guess that's kind of what it is. Uh, but they, they use the powers in the fight scenes really, really well. And it's, it's cool yes. to watch. It's fun to watch. It's the same with the, the growing and shrinking and you know, all that kind of thing. Um, the being solid and, and being uh, intangible is really, they use it well, they use it well. And now, so her motivation is, She's in pain all the time mm-hmm. because of what happened in the science experiment when she was a child and everyone died except for her. So she was left an orphan and Bill Foster helps her. And I'm that's one of the parts where I got choked up was when Michelle Pfeiffer finds her like they, they want to steal the power of the quantum realm mm-hmm. from from the wasp from from Michelle Pfeiffer. And so after all of this, she goes to the to Ghost and Ghost just says, it hurts all the time. And, and Wasp says, I know, let me help you. So after all this time, all these bad things that they've done to try and hurt people and, you know, doing things that w- honestly would cause her to never see Hank again and never see Hope again. But she instead of, you know, being angry about this, she gives it away. You know, the thing that they were going to steal from her that would cause her to be stuck there forever. Uh, she, she gives it and she, uh, helps her. And, and just when she puts her hands on either side of, of ghost's head and, and it just, I got choked up just that scene. It just, it just did something. I don't know. 
but just seeing someone do that kindness and, and be that friend, you know, and, and be that help. And, and to have it be, um, Janet Van Dyne, you know, and who, who is not someone who is, uh, uh, she's a good guy, you know, have her mm-hmm. be that good guy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and she's Catwoman. you know, that's, the, <laughs> that's the other thing is I'm watching this. And I'm like, you know, she is, she is comic book movie royalty, mm-hmm. you know, and, and this just adds another jewel to her crown. Well, but she's also, I mean, so you have, you have Michael Douglas in this movie. You have Michelle Pfeiffer in this movie. So Both that's eighties movies royalties right there. It's exactly, exactly. I mean, these, I, I was trying to think of a movie that they'd been in together. I couldn't, but I I'm don't sure think there, there is one. one. I don't know. Well, okay. Let's see if we can find out. You're going to Google it now. I am. Um, uh, okay. Keep talking. Keep going. Okay. So, yeah, but I really, you know, those two people are are 80s movie royalty. If there is not a movie that they've been in together, I am surprised about that because they're kind of, I feel like there has to be. Um, but they're, they're, the, they're the people. When you think about 80s movies superstars, you think about those two people, which is why she probably got cast in um, Catwoman. So the movie that comes up that they did together is Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh, that's, that's the movie that's coming up in my just initial, you know, all the different things. Uh, I do see here that she turned down the role in basic instinct, which mm. was all, which was a Michael Douglas movie. I just don't have the time or the ability to really dig deep enough to, to find out because Ant-Man and the Wasp is I'm, I'm four pages in on the Google search results you would have, and you would have uh, found something Ant-Man and the Wasp is, is, is here. So by the way, they did, I think a wonderful job with the de-aging of right. Michelle Pfeiffer. Uh, not so much Michael Douglas. For some reason, Michael Douglas, his mouth just didn't look right to me. <laughs> uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm positive it's not because they were, you know, removing a mustache from his lip. Uh, <laughs> I think that there was something else going on, but the mouth just didn't do it for me. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne also looked great. Yeah. Uh, in, in that de-aging. But. Which makes me wonder, you know, because um, Captain Marvel is supposed to be set in the 90s, right? So it makes me wonder if they're going to do some of that with. Well, oh, they uh, are. That's that's a that's been Sam a, Jackson. Yeah, about a week ago, there was a lot of headlines about about that. Okay, uh, maybe even a little bit more than a week ago. I think it was actually around Ant, Ant- Man and the Wasp release date. They were doing a mm. lot of of talk about um, how they will be de aging Samuel Jackson and uh, uh, Clark Gregg as well. So he's going to have a bigger part in that movie then. Well, I don't know about I don't know how big, but they will be de aged for the for the movie which good i i I love that that's now a thing (laughs) like we 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 live in a world where we can de-age our superstars into the movies whether they're alive or dead it doesn't matter well was it x-men 3 where they did that kind of the first big movie where they they de-aged uh patrick stewart and and i don't remember gandalf (laughs) I can't remember his name right now. Ian McAllen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Though they they de-aged them. Captain Picard and 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 Gandalf. 
where they're playing poker. Well, they, they DH them for the recruiting scene for Jean Grey. Where Ooh. where they went and they were recruiting Jean Grey for, for the X-Men. And and it looked okay. Um, but then you have Tron Legacy. And <laughs> hey, I, I was I, I accept it because Clue is uh, Jeff Bridges. And so they have Jeff Bridges de-aged and it's but it's in a computer realm, you know? Right. It it doesn't right. look bad because even if it looks bad, it you can accept that it would look bad because it's it's not real anyway. So that's that's my my gimme to them. I think the one that that really cements it in that the that the MCU can do it well was Civil War when they had um young Tony Stark. Well, and not just that. I mean, this is not the first time that the MCU de-aged Michael Douglas. I mean, the first oh. Ant- the first Ant-Man movie did yeah. that. So, it's it's a thing that they do and they're doing it well and it's making for, I, I don't know. I, I don't know exactly how I feel, but it's, it's working. And so I guess I like it because it's working and it opens some storytelling things where they don't have to recast a younger version of the character. Uh, they can just use the guy or the, or the guy. I just, I just don't want it to be a thing that they do when they should have done something else. You know what I mean? Yeah. I want it to be a thing that they do to make it, to make it seem like a good thing. Um, and I feel like the de-aging in this movie with, uh, the young Michelle Pfeiffer and the young Michael Douglas, especially the young Michael Douglas talking to, um, the young Hope Van Dyne possibly could have been done a different way. But because it wasn't, it was okay that it was done this way, but it could have been done a different way. Yeah. I mean, anything could be done in a different way. True. Um, and this is the way they chose to do it. Uh, they did a fantastic job de-aging Evangeline Lily. I mean, wow. Uh, that just was incredible. She looked so real. Like it looked like there was no CGI at all on that little girl. Uh, it was just uh, Evangeline Lilly and, and and the way that Evangeline Lilly was able to act with that younger sounding voice was just, well, they just looped her voice. Yeah. Well, speaking of, vo- of voice looping. Okay. So, uh, Luis. Yeah. Okay. So this is real voice looping here. Um, they bring him in. It's, it's funny and it's funnier because of the truth serum. That's not That's a truth not serum. Truth serum. <laughs> it is truth serum. That was a great line at the end when after they the 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 the, the heavy the 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 guy was like, "Oh, it is a truth serum." Yeah. He like gets it. That was great. <laughs> yeah, well, he had to be honest about it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Cuz it is truth serum. You know, I, uh, I wish they had done the Luis like explain the thing. Again, because I don't think they did that enough. <laughs> they could have done that at the beginning. Like I, I, I went in kind of expecting the beginning of the movie to be Luis explaining Civil War, right? You know, and explaining what happened with Hank, or not with Hank, with uh, with Scott. Well, does does Luis know though? Well, no, I guess not, but. That's kind of the kind of thing I was expecting to get more of. 
I think I think Luis. Would well, have been he really, he would have known. It'd been really interesting if he would have like told up to the point where they they kidnapped him or got him onto a plane, you know, to get to Germany. That would have been really interesting. Like they they tell him like you know uh, Scott's hanging out at a bar or something like that, and then all the way forward, and then I don't know. Well, I I mean just telling. So it would have been what Scott had told Luis about, you know, right. so then so that Luis is able to tell Scott's part of the story. So basically it's the Spider-Man homecoming opening. <laughs> Only <laughs> Luis is telling the story, not Peter Parker. And yeah. but what we got was was fun and funny and and the whole truth serum stuff led to some very funny stuff as well. Uh, I hate the way you do dishes. I hate yeah. it. You know, I mean, it, it's funny stuff. <laughs> It's so, funny stuff. Yeah. Well, anything we're missing here? Anything we want to cover before we do some? There's one piece of of listener feedback that I have that I I want to read. Um, let me think. Is there anybody that we missed that was really important? Uh, character wise, no. Where was the Stanley cameo? Uh, what was the Stanley cameo? Oh, it was um his car got shrunk right in front oh, of him yeah, and he's, okay. he's the sixties were fun, but I'm paying for it now. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to talk about the second post credit? We only talked about the first one and then only very little. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean the, the first one, that's the important one. I mean, that's the one where they, they throw out the techno jargon. They, they say, this is something that's going to happen here. And, and then he's trapped there, right? There's no one back to help him come back from the quantum right. realm it's actually great cliffhanger uh yes i know. was sitting there because i not necessarily forgotten about infinity war but and i kind of knew something was coming into this but i'd forgotten that i knew that that was happening so like i'm sitting there trucking along like oh, okay cool <gasps> no no yeah. no no well, I was going into it wondering what is what is the Infinity War tie-in going to be? Right. How is it going to look? What's going to happen? I'm expecting, honestly, I'm expecting uh, Scott's daughter to fade away in front of him, kind of thing. Uh, that was kind of my expectation. You don't like him, do you? I, <laughs> you were just mean. <laughs> I, I'm great with kids. Yeah. Um, so. Daddy, daddy, I don't feel so good. You are a whore. No. Okay. All right. No. I'm expecting something like that though. And so I was expecting something like what we got. I just didn't yes. know what the, I didn't know what the specifics would be. And so what was good about this was, yes, it was what I was expecting on one hand, but totally not at all what I was expecting on the other hand, because I don't know what they're planning. And this kind of gives us a, a, I think a glimpse into, okay, what are they planning and how is Ant-Man going to figure into, into all of that? Um. So the second post credit, where the ant is playing the drums and it's got that, that I, I can only think it's like the TV is, you know, doing that dial tone thing, you know, loss of signal thing. That was freaky. That gets freakier yeah. every time I think about it. Yeah. That is a great moment of just, here is another snap snapshot of what the world looks like after the snap. And then the mm -hmm. ant just, here's the joke, you know, but it was, first of all, I already saw the ant in previews, and I wish that that had just not been seen in previews. Second, 
we saw the ant playing drums on an iPad earlier in the movie. Right. So what makes that scene really interesting is not the ant playing the drums part. What makes it really interesting is the is the TV signal, you know, the 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 boo, you know, that sort of thing, yeah. like the dial tone of a phone or whatever. It's chilling. It is very chilling. It's chilling. And, and then the more you think about it, the more that there is a a giant ant playing the drums. Like that's kind of creepy to begin with, but there's also there's also enough people gone. And, you know, let's be honest, this is the first sort of glimpse of the world we've seen after Infinity War. Yeah, we so we saw the immediate effect uh, in the city with with Nick Fury in Infinity War. This is not immediate. This is a little bit after that. And but the ant playing the drum. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. But at the same time, apparently they're able to train these ants to do whatever they need them to do. They're worker ants. And so they trained this one to just go through Scott's day and do all the stuff <laughs> Scott does, which includes playing the drums. Playing the drums. So it would and have been laying a, on the couch for like eight hours. Yeah. <laughs> Watching TV. Hey, um, one last bit. Did you know that they offered a cameo to Rick Moranis in the first Ant-Man? No. Did yeah. they really? Yeah. I don't know what the cameo would have been. Uh, but he, he turned it down cause he's, he's not really into acting right now. He's, he's more about family, I guess right now, but, um, I've heard that. Yeah. They, they want to, uh, reoffer it him, uh, in, in the third one, if they do a third one, that was like the gist of the article was it, he brought it up in a, in an interview as they're doing press for this movie. But yeah, I just love to see him from, from Scott Lang's point of view as a small little ant guy looking up and see Rick Moranis with the big magnifying glass looking down. <laughs> like that's all I want to see. Well, cause this is, this is, uh, you know, the superhero version of honey. I shrunk the kids. So it's actually honey. We shrunk ourselves, but let's not get technical. Uh, oh, sure. Sure. But not to be confused with honey. We shrunk the audience. I don't know what that was. The Disney, uh, live show. Interesting. It took over um, Captain EO's theater for a long time. Huh. I saw <laughs> Captain EO. Love Captain EO. Yeah. Love yeah. it. You know what we didn't talk about? No. Uh, kid size Scott Lang. <laughs> <laughs> him getting into the him getting into the, the van. That was pretty that was pretty impressive. And then the all the cars being in the Hot Wheel case. Yeah, I wanted that Hot Wheel case. Bad. Yeah, I wish I, I understood how the mass of this worked because that building oh, is very no. easy to move around, and those Do cars. Not. And then, I mean, in the last movie, he was carrying around a tank in his pocket. You know. Yeah, I feel like that's one of those things where you just don't ask. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If it was consistent, I'd be okay with it. I wouldn't ask the question. But when they're when it's you know Scott or Hope shrinking down. And then they're able to punch with the full force of a full-size human. And Scott, I can ask these questions. You may not get a good answer, but you can ask. Sure. You can ask. So, okay, we've got we got one feedback I'm going to read right, read right let's now. Let's do the feedback. And this is from Agent Dylan. Subject line, surprisingly, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Message. Agents, so, Infinity War spoilers, that's not perfectly balanced. Okay, now that's out of the way. 
Uh, Stature teased. Luis's stories. Shield. So who in Hydra do you think was behind everything that went down with Ava? <laughs> also, is it just me or is Paul Rudd not that great at doing a Michelle Pfeiffer impression? <laughs> to be honest, he just sounded like Paul Rudd. Agent Dylan signing off. P.S. Hashtag trip lives. P.P.S. Hashtag Ruby lives. Agent Dylan, I love it when you write in. Thank you for doing that. Well, and, you know, I, I thought that they did an amazing job uh, digitally recreating Michelle Pfeiffer as Paul Rudd for that scene. I mean, that was they just did. it was amazing. <laughs> so. They did. I mean, the voice wasn't quite there. You're right. But, you know, we didn't we didn't quite pass the Uncanny Valley. Uh, I think that that honestly added to the humor immensely. Oh, I yeah. mean, just it did definitely sound like Paul Rudd kind of doing a girl voice. Kind of. It was the, Paul Rudd doing a girl voice. Kind of. <laughs> kind of. The. It was a funny scene, though. It was yeah. a funny scene. And it's just this touching family moment and the family reunion happening right there. Um, that is not the other time I, I welled up uh, and got the lump in my throat, uh, by the way, as, as touching as that family reunion was um actually the the point when i welled up the second time or the the first time actually happened first uh was when michael douglas actually found her and and they're together in the in the quantum realm for the oh yeah the the first moment there it's like oh oh this is really nice i'm feeling a little lump in my throat and so maybe that set me up for later on but that was just lump in my throat for cloak and dagger (laughs) for our upcoming episode it was not just lump in my throat. It was a little bit of welling up in the eyeballs. A little bit of eye sweat. Was somebody cutting onions near you? Uh, they, Yeah, they were chopping the onions. Man, Cloak and Dagger. Fantastic. That's all I'm going to say about that. I think it's time for us to be done. So, I think so. Uh, Stuart, any final words here before we close this thing down? No, just everybody, thanks for listening. And thank you to our Patreons. I don't remember your names, but you know who you are. Um, Thank you to Agent Dylan for writing in and keep writing in. That's what makes this show great. Yes. Yes. And to all those people who um, think, you know, you know, podcasting is where it at for us. You know, the podcasting is not our full time job. I'm also a youth pastor. Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard us, now we'd love to hear from you. Go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback where you can contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling one seventy seven fifty five level 7 You can also join the lively conversation going on at facebook.com slash welcometolevel7 or connect with us on Twitter where we're level7pod. And remember, the 7 is spelled out. Our theme music is The Light Fantastic by J.S. Earls, and you can find that at transplant.bandcamp.com. Welcome to Level 7 is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Learn how to podcast, get productive in your personal and professional life, theorize over TV shows, laugh with our clean comedy, delve into science fiction and philosophy, learn critical thinking from movie reviews, and more at noodle.mx. And once again, thanks for listening. Episode 262, Ant-Man and the Wasp. 
Let me do that one more time. That's maybe a little not. Episode 262, Ant-Man and the Wasp. I'm going to do that again. Episode 262, Ant-Man and the Wasp. That'll work, right? Number three, yeah. Yeah, that'll hunt. Okay. <laughs>